0: My father was in East Tennessee, land of the free,
1: home and free. Spent time
0: as a kid, hills of Carolina, mountains
1: and valleys. There. There's no place finer, still my time. so this is morgan this is i'm morgan this is sarah i'm sarah hopefully you can tell our voices apart yeah our mothers were we were able to fool our mothers our
0: entire lives on the phone so i'm hoping you guys will be able to tell our voices apart better than our
1: mom which is so bizarre i'm sarah i'm the older one i have a more country accent i think so yeah i think you have like a, a higher pitched voice too yeah.
0: And I have I've been living outside of the south for a, a little bit longer and I feel like I have less of a southern accent. Yeah.
1: We hope. I don't know. What let us know what you guys I think? I think you'll hear my twang. I think that it shouldn't be confusing. So yeah. Morgan is my cousin from our mothers. That's Those how our families mothers work. Are sisters. That's how it works. And she's nine years younger than I am. Yeah. So we are very
0: close now, but when we were younger, um, We kind of spent our childhoods, not separate, but, like, we just went through our very different things at at very different ages with a nine-year age gap.
1: Yeah, so, like, my perspective of what was going on versus hers was so different. And, obviously, I always had, like, this maternal feeling about Morgan, even as an infant when I was a child. Mm -hmm. I wanted her to be safe. I wanted her to be taken care of, like— I did everything in my power while I still lived in the area to try to get her away mm-hmm. from what was going on in our family as much as possible. Yeah. So, you know, we'll get into
0: why we're doing this podcast, obviously, you know, from the title, Family Trauma. Um My parents, you know, kind of when I was starting in like second grade at like age seven ish, my mom was an alcoholic and my parents were physically fighting every night, like really bad physically fighting. And so I was about seven. So Sarah was like 16 and just driving and she would come get me all the time to just get me out of the house because she knew what was going on. Which is honestly the sweetest thing ever, because uh, if anyone who's been 16 knows, which I, hopefully everyone listening to this podcast mm. is over the age of 16. If you're not, not get the fuck out of here. That,
1: I mean, come that's on. okay, but let your parents know that you're listening <laughs> to some women that probably say words they shouldn't.
0: And talk about some heavy things. I, Sarah's being nicer than me. I think you should get the fuck out. Go find a different podcast. Go <laughs> play outside. Wait come A on. couple years. Be innocent. Come back to us in a few years. Exactly. We'll welcome you then. Once you've been through some more trauma. <laughs> Just kidding. Anyways, what was I saying? Um, Sarah always. So, the last. Yeah, the, the least cool thing to do when you're 16 is to like bring a seven year old around. That I did. Sarah, you knew. this bitch took me on first dates <laughs> to the movies with her. Somehow she took me and, wa- and took me to see The Sixth Sense in theaters I was seven trauma I already doing. Like, this was,
1: kid acted like she was cool about everything but really it was a coping mechanism
0: just to get out of her house
1: I was like I'm fine
0: I'm fine and Sarah's sitting we're at the movie theaters watching Six Sense in retrospect that movie's not scary but when you're seven years old and you're already a traumatized child it's fucking terrifying <laughs> Sarah's sitting on her boyfriend's lap at the movie and I'm just sitting there like this is fine
1: this is fine probably better than being at home like all of my first boyfriends know Morgan yes. definitely they're like oh well how's Morgan and I'm like well she's fucking amazing
0: <laughs> I was always with her she was the best and she would drop me off at home every night and she would write down on a piece of paper here's my phone number not cell phones we did not have cell phones at that point
1: no I did you did yeah was it a brick it, it was a brick <laughs> okay, it was but a it's bridge. the same number I have now Nuh-uh. yes when I was 15 I got that line same number never wait I only have the same number too I feel like that's rare. That is
0: rare. Anyways, she would always write down her phone number and say, if things get bad, call me. You know, you know how to reach me. Just call me. Yeah. And it it was very comforting. And that's always been her role. Like, she's my go-to. She's my person. I always tell people she's my, I'm like, she's my cousin, but she's like my sister mama best friend.
1: Like just everything. All encompassing. And as she got older and we were able to connect as adults, she became even more to me, you know. Once she was mature, like I could confide in her and honestly, like We know each other so well. Mm -hmm. So we're here for a lot of different purposes. We really feel that there is not enough space um, or platforms or opportunities for people who grew up in families that were, you know, riddled with addiction and mental health issues. Like Mm -hmm. nobody wants to talk about it. You're supposed to act like it never happened. People judge you, Mm -hmm. you know, even though you did nothing, you have the guilt for it, but you did nothing. You know, we want to normalize talking about it. We want to have a a safe space we want to tell our story that we were never allowed to talk about yeah we want to hear from you yeah we want to have a community and the opportunity to connect and talk about how all the people outside of the addict or the person with mental health issues has been affected Mm
0: -hmm. yeah there was I felt so much shame in my entire life about like what was going on at home and so much pressure. And I don't know if this is like just a Southern thing, but we felt a lot of pressure to kind of not talk about what was going on, not talk about the fact that our mothers were addicts and or alcoholics, um, pretend like we're this perfect family, pretend like everything was okay. Like you're not allowed to talk about it. And with that came a lot of shame. And I think for both of us, we... I mean, it was very well into adulthood. For me, it was when I was already out of college and working in nonprofits, learning about how childhood trauma affects you into your adulthood. And I I mean, it's just crazy that it was like, I was like 22 or 23 when I realized like, oh, shit, like, my childhood was traumatic as hell. Mm-hmm. And at that point, Sarah and I were really close. We had lived together already. You know, I, t- I basically turned 18 and moved in with Sarah because she had just gone through her first divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, I mean, very well into our adulthood, we were both like, wait, yeah, this all is not just like normal family drama. Wait.
1: We were totally told it was, though. Yeah. This is how people are supposed to treat each other. That's what our family told us. Like, this is normal.
0: Yeah. I mean, we're still told that today. Like, this is this is just how families are. This is just family stuff. All families have their problems, which is true. But also, we have dealt with, like, an extraordinary, extraordinary amount of
1: trauma in that it's not just family problems, not just family drama. Exactly. Like when it affects you deep seated to where it's like a mental and behavioral thing that affects your entire life, you start to really reconsider what you've been through and why you behave the way you behave.
0: Yeah. And how it like how it manifests in your adult life, how it manifests Mm -hmm. in your romantic relationships, because, well, God, it certainly has. And
1: it's funny because we're still going through it. Mm-hmm. One, so it's not all history. No. But two, like, I had been through it and been an adult, you know, nine years longer than Morgan. But when she was getting educated in community services and working with those experienced homelessness, like, she did this survey or evaluation.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, called ACEs, which stands for Adverse Childhood Experience Survey. So, basically, it's like 10 questions, and there's all, the, all these studies now on... You know, how your childhood trauma affects you into your life. So it's 10 questions that are like, you know, did you have an incarcerated parent? Did you have a parent who was physically abused? Did you like all these questions like that? And basically the ratings start at like zero to one, two to three, four to five. And then it's like six or f- five or more. You know, whatever. And there's all these correlations now on, like, if you have so many aces, like, the more aces you have, the higher your chances are for being incarcerated, the higher chances are for being an addict, the higher chances are for um, heart disease, cancer, like, all these things. Um, and, and basically, it's like, if you have five or more, you're fucked. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, fuck, I have seven, mm-hmm. which is a lot. Um, and I was like, okay, so I guess my childhood was not normal this wasn't okay. This is not the average. I'm like looking over at my coworkers. I'm like, how many did y'all get? And they're like, two. And I'm like, oh, and like, how many did you get? And I'm like, uh, four, four and a half, four, 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 (laughs) definitely not seven, you know? Um, and that's when I started having these conversations with Sarah, like,
1: okay, let's like really think about this. Yeah. Like we need to talk to some people and you know, we're over here breaking the cycle. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's the thing. It's so systematic. Like it, it's all buried. It's all hidden. And then you go back into the cycle of being an addict or being, you know, mentally unstable. You know, instead of breaking out and and really understanding and talking about it, you have to talk about
0: it. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you know, we're gonna share what we've experienced. Like our mothers, our grandmother, our grandfather. Our great grandmother, like those aren't our stories to share. um we do know a lot of our history, and we have basically concluded you know with certainty that all of this stuff is cyclical I mean the verbal abuse, the physical abuse, sexual abuse, the addiction, the mental illness all of that has been very generational in our family um and you know we just we have decided like the
1: cycle ends with us, absolutely, and we want everyone to also share like we want to break the cycle and part of that is not being silent
0: yeah and sharing your stories and connecting and talking about this stuff and and not having it be such a stigma. And I think, I think society's going towards that direction in Mm -hmm. general. I mean, you know, we know with our grandmother's generation, like women weren't allowed to talk about a lot of things that were going on. And even in our mother's generation, like we're, I I feel a lot of hope for future generations in that, like, we're beginning to be like, hey, like, let's talk about these issues Mm -hmm. um, because these are issues and we need to, to address them. So that's, yeah, that's kind of where we're at. Like we, we want to break the cycle, and we want to we want to normalize this stuff, mm-hmm. and not just chalk it up to family drama or that's just family problems. Like no, or this that's is
1: normal. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you gotta you gotta break the cycle, break the stigma. You gotta talk about it.
0: Yeah. And and so basically, we just feel like there isn't a platform for this. Like there are really amazing and incredible, wonderful podcasts that talk about the addict as kind of the center of the of the topic of Always. like of of what it's like to be a recovered person. Which is amazing. Of of course. Absolutely. Amazing. Recovery is a miracle. Yes. Absolutely. And it happens. It does. Um but we don't feel like there's a a, a whole lot of platforms that talk about being the loved one of an addict, the loved one of kind of family trauma and mental illness. And then we also feel like there are a lot of, again, really wonderful podcasts that provide a really clinical approach or kind of more of like a self-help approach, kind of inspirational approach. And we're just not that. We're none of that. We are not medical professionals. We are not mental health professionals. We are not claiming to know the answers. We're probably going to fuck up a lot in this podcast. Yeah. Um, Call us out. Call us out on our shit. We're we're learning together. That's our hope. We're connecting together. We're sharing our stories together. We're normalizing this stuff together. We're learning
1: together. I mean, there's this deep seated guilt and shame. I still feel it. You know, people refer to my mother who's still living in an active attic. Your mother. Your mother this. Your mother that. Like, I'm supposed to control it. Mm -hmm. And so it's like there's just always this guilt, shame, and responsibility associated with it even though she's my mom and like I can't do anything about it and I shouldn't feel shameful but I do Mm -hmm. and so you just never get to hear about that you never hear about how it affects all of the people around them
0: yeah exactly and we feel like there is there's a ton of resources for healing from childhood trauma which is totally a thing but the thing about our family is like the childhood trauma has like nothing has changed you know our, the addicts in our family are still addicts, or like it's only gotten worse, or they've mm-hmm. passed away, or the, the childhood trauma is now
1: adulthood trauma. Yeah, and it never stops. Yeah. So it's like, how do you move on from something that's still active?
0: Yeah, like there's a ton of resources for like, oh, my mom was an addict when I was growing up, but she's clean now. And so, like, we have a podcast together or, or something yeah. like that. And it's like, that's great. I'm really happy for you. But our childhood trauma is
1: not. Over. Over at all. Like, you had a therapist one time. Oh, my gosh. So, like, huge advocate of therapy if you have the resources, which is a privilege. I had a therapist, and our last session ended with, she asked me if I thought I talked about it too much. And I was talking about a traumatic incident that happened that week. Yeah. Like, I'm not talking about the history. I'm not drudging up old shit. Like, this just happened. I'm going through it. And I think that even some, you know, mental health professionals, like, if you are not deep-seated in addiction and get it and have experienced it, it's not what's portrayed on TV. It's not what's portrayed on, a, you know, a lot of educational or articles or resources. It's so different.
0: Exactly, and, and if Sarah and I weren't so lucky as to have each other as our person, as, as cousins, who, like you know, have dealt with this together. I don't know what we would do. No. Um, I'd probably be an addict. Active. I probably would, too. So active. So, I mean, we're here to create community. I mean, if you don't have your Sarah or your Morgan, like, we're going to be your Sarah and your Morgan. Or if you have Sarah and
1: Morgan, we want to hear from both of y'all.
0: Yeah. Like, reach out to us. Tell us how, you know, you're connecting or how you're coping. Like, we want to hear your stories. We want people to feel less alone. And we also want to feel less alone because there's just no way that this is just our family.
1: Absolutely. And I think it's just under, you know, spoken about. It's not heard. And there's so much guilt and shame
0: yeah. And we're gonna laugh about it. That's our thing. I mean, we by no means want to make light of the topics that we discuss and we were we are gonna discuss some heavy shit. We're gonna discuss addiction. We're gonna discuss probably sexual abuse, we're gonna discuss suicide, we're gonna discuss death. I mean heavy ass fucking topics. Um and so by no means are we making light of this, but to an extent, we have to bring in humor. Mm-hmm. Like if if you don't make light of it and laugh about it, you
1: just are gonna cry Not about it. Way I'm still here is because I have a really great sense of humor. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, you know, like in our life, so much shit has happened. You have to laugh about it. Cause if you don't, you'll be in a corner somewhere because it is that heavy and yeah. awful. Yeah.
0: And we just, we know we're not the only ones who have dealt with this. We know we're not the only ones who are dedicated to breaking cycles and talking about this stuff and sharing our stories.
1: Yeah, so we can't wait. We can't wait to hear from you. We can't wait to have a larger community. And, you know, we know you're out there. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, we're excited. Mm -hmm. Can't wait. Hit us up. Email us. We love you. Bye. Bye.